the Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy. It calls to you who, the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, and our Ola. My name is Spud Goodman. <laughs> the Spud Man. <sighs> I'm laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> and I will be your host on this quaint little radio show. Give us a few moments of your time, and there's more than a 50-50 chance you'll not regret it. Uh, I will even go so far as to say you will enjoy this show because, well, I, I guess I'm projecting here as I really have no idea if you will, in fact, look back on this hour as time well spent. I mean, we can hope, I guess. So I, I guess I should introduce our show's designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy, who is the most essential component of any drive-time radio show. Now, now, I'm not sure if you're now driving while listening or not. I guess I should um, I, I should not assume these things. Right. Definitely not. Anyway, and Dorothy, give us a guffaw, if you would. Right now? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. Here it is. <laughs> Ooh. It might have peeked out the guy's ears on the soundboard. Oh, did, I, okay. did I hurt oh, them? Oh, they're tough. Don't worry about it. Well um. done. And, and now I'm obligated to uh, introduce our temporary uh, permanent co-host, uh, Gerald Holcomb, raise an eyebrow or something to acknowledge my introduction. No need to exert much energy here. Save it for your personal life. Oh, well, I'll raise both eyebrows. And also, I want to proclaim how excited I am for our show. I think it's going to be a great one. Sure you do. But but we both know you have no clue who is on this thing. Come on, yo. Eh, eh, just don't forget the damn Steve Harvey rules. I'm here to help. Because they are still in effect. Spud. I refuse to follow those stupid Steve Harvey rules. I'm here to help. And, well, listen, maybe I still have not been entrusted to have an official show schedule, but I do have somewhat of an inkling as to who's going to be inkling? on. Inkling? What? Yeah. Ink? <laughs> what is that? What the heck is that? Just one more term from the pre-Civil War era of your second most favorite president, Andrew Jackson? And I don't think you would even know who he is if our current hashtag fake president didn't have a POTUS crush on him. And Trump didn't even know who the guy was either until he was tutored by Steve Bannon. Ha -ha. For, for all Trump knew, Andrew Jackson was a party planner on the Upper East Side Manhattan. I love the poorly educated. Spud. We went over this before on this show. Andrew Jackson was a great president. Donald Trump is a noted history buff. Really? And if he chooses to use him as a role model, then good for him. Hashtag old hickory. Yeah, he only owned, uh, I don't know, 150 or so slaves back then. So I guess uh. there were worse presidents, but probably not. Hashtag Indian Removal Act. But getting back mm. to the show... Can I ask where you formulated this inkling of who's on the program? Did one of the interns crack under interrogation? Was no. it Trent, can I ask? I always knew he was the weak and most pliable person in the organization. Rat on your pop? 
and Kaiser says they will get you. No, no, no. Uh, truth be told, I glanced down at your schedule right before we went on the air. Now, listen, I promise I did not leak the information, but it did give me an opportunity to make notes so I could interject notes? with some witty commentary <laughs> regarding our <laughs> guests. Uh, there will be no witty commentary on this show, man. Why? Not going to happen. I'm ordering you to destroy your witty or not notes right now. Right now? Yes. I will not continue until you rip up those notes. I do not feel comfortable with you possessing well, our confidential show information. I, I, Those okay. are my intellectual properties. All right, all right, all right. Fine, fine. Look, here. There. There. Yeah, is that better? Do you, do you want the pieces? Here they are. I, oh, yeah, give them, give them to me. I'll have them shredded here. later. All right. Oh. I, I feel it's okay to get the show moving now. Yeah, whatever. So, oh, so what too. I wanted to discuss on the show was something that I've always wanted to be. Uh, I hope that someday I, too, could be a hipster. I know it sounds unrealistic, a pipe dream, but it would be so neat. They want to shatter your mind talking about Justin Bieber! A hipster? Now, I've heard the term, but I'm not quite sure what a hipster is. Well, in my younger years, I was considered to be quite hip. Hmm. I don't want to toot my own horn, of course, but I was thought to be a real hipster by my peers. Really? Uh, Mrs. Jarvis, does that mean you were... Um promiscuous. Oh, that's rude. Well, it, listen, if so, you do not need to share it on the air, hmm. no matter on, how man. much it might help with the ratings. Would you be where you are had there not been a sex tape? No. She's not lying. From what my mom told me, my aunt here was a total hipster. That's she true. said she looked like one of those models that you would see in Life magazine. I could never live up to your hipness, no matter how much help I got, Aunt Dorothy. Spud, being a hipster is Really a tough thing to pull off. But yeah, looking back yeah. on those days, I do feel like I might have been a bit misguided. There were more important things going on in the world than looking and acting cool. You know what I mean? Uh, no, not really. Hell no, you can't! I mean, I would kill to look and act cool. It would be the highlight of my life. Like, instead of Snickers or, or being dismissed as totally mediocre when people meet me, I would really dig what real hipsters get total awe. I mean, sure, all non-hipsters, you know, people like me, hate their guts, yeah, but yeah. underneath that hate is a tiny tinge of envy, and that's what I crave. No one has ever envied me. Hmm. Yeah. So anyway, right now I need to introduce our musical guest, who I will be speaking with a little later on in the program. Here is Gibraltar.
This is the Spud Goodman Show. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Hey, this is Adam Carolla, and I'm on the Spud Goodman Show, but wait a minute. What? You're not listening to Spud Goodman. You wouldn't know about that. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe you'll listen because I'm on and then go back to not listening. Thank you. Uh, Spud. Yeah. Your first guest, David Oyelowo, is holding for you. Now, he is a highly acclaimed actor. I know this because I read about him in a People magazine that my wife borrowed from a neighbor. Yeah, the man played Dr. Martin Luther King in the movie Selma. He was incredible. You know, I did see that film on a plane trip to visit my in-laws in Cleveland. It was very powerful. You know, it made the flight tolerable because, I got to tell you, we didn't even get a package of stale peanuts or pretzels. Oh, boo-hoo. They said they ran out, if you can believe that. This in our pants yet? I was going to turn my phone on and record the stewardesses telling us they had oh, no snacks at gosh. all for any of us. Nothing. It would have gone viral for sure. Look, I was look so we have ma- one of the greatest actors of his generation holding on the phone, and you're whining about not getting any snacks on a flight? Are you serious? Put David on right now. Okay, okay. I was just describing yet another travesty on an airline. Our stomachs were growling the whole flight, Spud. It's a timely topic, but... All right, here's David. Please welcome actor and producer David Oyelowo. Uh, Hey, I want to thank you so much for coming on our show. Thanks, Brad. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. You have a film, A United Kingdom, now being released by Home Entertainment following theatrical release. You both star in and serve as producer. Obviously, you know, you must be proud of this uh, project as it's received really good reviews. I'm incredibly proud of it, uh, not least because it, it, it took a fair few years to get it off the ground. It's also uh, the kind of story you don't see every day. Um, you know, it's a, it's a historical story, but it's also an African story as well as a British story. And, and, and those films are, are, are tough to get made. But what's really beautiful about our film, A United Kingdom, is it's primarily a love story. And I think that's something everyone can relate to. Oh, absolutely. Oh, actually, I'd, I, I, I'd like to someday. Let's put it that way. But well, let me let me ask you this: You have a highly acclaimed career in classical theater as an actor, but as a producer, how how tough a sell is it to to tell stories without big, splashy special effects, fast cars, and explosions? Is it a little more of a challenge these days? It's it, it, it is more of a challenge, especially uh, theatrically, because. Um, you know, with this golden age of television we are in, to achieve people into a movie theater, you really have to uh, be, be serving up something special. I, I'm, I'm thankful that, uh, you know, several people went to see a United Kingdom during its theatrical run, which, like I say, is, is, a, is a pretty tough thing to, to, to get people to these days when it's not about explosions and the uh, sort of more fantastical, eye-popping elements. Um, so, but you know that that's not a reason to stop doing them. And I think, look, if you if you make a good film, if you tell a good story, yeah, people are going to come. Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Well, your your performance as the Reverend Martin Luther King was incredible in Selma, as that movie will hold up, you know, for a hundred years, uh, in my opinion. Do you did you feel the weight of history and the legacy of the man during the production? I can only imagine how it might have affected you. 
Well, you know what? It just took us so long to get that film made. I first read the script in 2007, and we didn't shoot it till 2014. So that was a seven-year journey. And, and, and for me, I was just chomping at the bit uh, by the time we got to the seven-year mark. But I kind of forgot to be nervous about it because it had taken so long to get the film off the ground. It wasn't until after we'd shot the film and I saw this incredible reaction to the film that I, I realized just the weight of what we had managed to achieve. I mean, Selma is still the only film that has had Dr. King depicted cinematically as the protagonist in, in his own film, which when you think of what he represents, not just in this country, but around the world, uh, that seems crazy to me, but you know, it's one of the things I'm, I'm most proud of in relation to us getting that film made. Right. You know, it, it's interesting um, how many of those who would oppose uh, Dr. King's teachings if he were with us today, you know, now attempt to like co-opt his message uh, to support their ideology. Uh, I think even Sean Hannity and Glenn Beck have invoked his name to support anti-affirmative action initiatives. It's just those alternative facts that just keep coming. They're just, they're always there, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, he's not here to speak for himself uh, uh, right now, which is why it, it, it's, on, it's on us to, uh, to continue the truth of his legacy. It's, it's something that we have done time immemorial. We take something good and we bend it to our own ends. That's just the way we seem to uh, uh, choose to operate. And, and that's no different to... Um, uh, to, let's say, Karma in, in, in the film of United Kingdom that we're talking about, you know, he also espoused values that, you know, taken out of context can be used by anyone for their own ideology or, or their own means, which is, you know, why I take making these kind of films very seriously in terms of their historical accuracy and just recognizing the power of film, you know, to give people the opportunity to form their own opinions on the basis of exhaustive research and hopefully a good and historically accurate movie so that it makes it difficult for people with their own agendas to bend the truth. Right, right. Well, in terms of the future, you have a couple films coming out, uh, Cloverfield, the sci-fi thriller, and uh, a drama, Gringo. Between you and me, how much of a drag is having to do all the interviews and other promotional activities for movies w when you're done filming? Hopefully I didn't annoy you too much so far here, so anyway. Uh, no, you know what? Honestly, the, the level of enjoyment you get out of talking about a film is connected to uh, what the experience is like shooting it and how much you like the movie, and I think if it's a film you're proud of, for me anyway, uh, I'm happy to talk about it anywhere and everywhere, because you don't make these films in a vacuum. You're hopeful that an audience will be excited to see them. You know, if I was a movie star, I don't think I could handle being interviewed by guys like me, because I'd be bored out of my mind in a couple of minutes. I have a bit of ADHD, but anyway, that's another topic. <laughs> All right, Spud, well... could I break in here for just a brief moment? Yeah, David, I will be back in a very, very brief moment. What do you want? Well, I don't know if this is the right time to bring this up, but it's been on my mind for a few weeks, and I keep forgetting to discuss this with Couldn't you. Couldn't it wait a few more weeks, or at least until I'm done with this freaking interview? Really? You, you have to interrupt right now when I'm in deep conversation with David? Uh, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry for the interruption. My apologies. Well, now that you have disrupted the flow of my interview, just say what you obviously find so important that you have to sabotage the segment. Well... 
No, it, it, it's not that important. R really, let's just forget about it, okay? No, no, I want to know what is so darn important to you. Well, okay, you know, you borrowed $5 from me when we went to lunch at Wendy's a while ago, and, well, you, you never paid me back. What? Well, you sort of owe me five bucks. Man, just get it from my assistant Derek over there. I'm sure he has some cash on him. Is that it? Will that make you happy? Y yes, very much. My wife will also be pleased as she's blocked me from loaning money to others until you paid me back. Oh, good to know. Now let me get back to David. All right, well, last question. David, uh, do you have a most memorable moment from your stage career in theater? Anything come to mind? I know you don't have like a lot of perks like you do in movies, no free food or trailers, but live theater must be a rush. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I, I just finished a run earlier this year of Othello um, in New York, and Daniel Craig uh, was playing Iago oh. in, in, that, in that play, and, and we had the most extraordinary time. But there, there was a very memorable uh, day where a, a young man who has uh, Tourette was in the audience, and thankfully, uh, you know, his Tourette didn't manifest in him uh, using cuss words, but he would just every now and again say the word what, what, and so you, you you're in the middle of doing uh, you know a three and a half hour Shakespeare where you're trying to be as clear as you can with this incredible language, and so every now and again hear someone in the audience saying what was quite um, something to navigate through that play. Uh, I, w I won't forget that one in a hurry, but we uh, we uh, we had an, a, a truly amazing time doing that doing that show. All right, super. Thank you for that story. Okay, well, let, let me remind everyone that a United Kingdom is now being released by Home Entertainment. Uh, David, uh, I really want to express my appreciation for you uh, calling into our show. As I'm very much, uh, I'm a fan. I enjoy your work. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. There you have it, Mr. David Oyelowo. more fun and excitement in store in the second half of the Spud Goodman Radio Show right after this brief intermission. Now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. So getting back to my lifelong dream of being a hipster, one thing I feel is really holding me back is my lack of full, thick, and unruly hair. Hmm. Th there are not a lot of people in this special you know, category of society with thinning, lifeless hair. I mean, I have no bangs, no, no hair falling into my face to give me that distracted, bored look. 
Yeah, you I mean, know, it's troubling. Spud, you, you were not blessed in the hair department. Well, I won't lie. I have always been attracted to a man with a great head of hair. There's something about that look that, well, it makes me feel, you know, uh, an animal attraction. Well, I've been wow. thinking about a possible plan B with the hair thing, and this is doable. This one's doable. What do you guys think about me going with a man bun? That is messed up, yo. I mean, I know a lot of people make fun of them, but, you know, you never see a guy with a man bun all alone without a very attractive woman at his side. Oh, don't you think you're... Just something I picked up. Oh, no, no, no. You're a little old for one of those. I mean, it seems to be a look for someone in their late 20s or even maybe early 30s. Spud, dear, you don't want to be the object of ridicule when you venture out in public. Yeah, I know how much you care about what others think of you, Spud. This could put you in a tailspin of deep depression if, you know, people openly laughed at you. Shut up. I mean, people already laugh at me. Like, uh -huh. like yesterday, some guy at the post office who was standing behind me in line asked me in a very sarcastic manner if I always douse myself with so much Axe body spray. It smells really good. I just ignored him, but the thing is, I've really cut back on how much I use nowadays. I can't win. You know, I read that Axe body spray can cause damage to your chromosomes. <laughs> you might want to dispose of those products. I'm not having any more kids or any kids at my age now. Anymore. Why worry about that? Anyway, the deal with, you know, with the man bun is all you need is hair in the back of your head. And I still have that. I mean, not on the on the top, as I won't lie, under this baseball hat, you know, there's 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 a little bit of a bald spot, but yeah. if I let it grow out in the back, I could gather up enough to make a bun, a really thin bun. I said your hair looks stupid. But a bun? No, don't do it. There is such a fine line between a man bun and a ponytail. Mm. Trust me, you don't want to go anywhere near a ponytail at any age. That look makes me question my sexuality. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Mm. It's, it's, it's just too bad I can't just shave my head and go with a really big and bushy beard like so many hipsters uh -uh. have. You know, it, it's a pretty cool look, but I can only grow like a scraggly thin beard. And, and when I grow it out, I look like a really old teenage boy. <laughs> yeah, you know, a, a thin beard is very unflattering, Spud. Uh, we've instructed our oldest, Gerald Jr., that he is not to grow a beard until he's graduated from college. Uh, right now, he uses a razor without a blade. I... I guess he just likes the feel of shaving cream on his face. <laughs> you know, I read Cute. so much about all the challenges women have to deal with, you know, with their bodies, but do they have, you know, do they go bald and while still having to get someone to shave their back hair? That, <laughs> that's the only place on my body with thick, lustrous hair. I mean, life just is not fair. There's no doubt about it. I when true. I came back from the hospital, the first thing I did was go look at my vag in the mirror. It looks better looking than before. You know, my wife just uses duct tape on my back a couple of times a month. It's cheap and it's effective. Yeah, nice tip, but I'm not interested in your hygiene routine, okay? Oh. Well, why don't you just see if our next guest is ready to go? Oh, yeah, and I'm being told by the board, they're saying your next guest, Michael Mando, is waiting to speak with you. Okay, you know, I really dig the show this guy's on. Better Call Saul? Better Call Who? Is, okay, is that on NBC on Saturdays? I think I may have caught a few minutes of it before Dateline. Our family loves Dateline. Better call Saul. And no, it's on AMC, I think. 
is Dateline that show where they catch all those predators? It's it's good that you know that guy, whatever his name is, is is kicking butt. Is too many predators around? It's not a good thing. They are not our friend. Yeah, no, that's a separate show called To Catch a Predator. I I think it's on another channel. Well, you should just check out Michael's show. It is one of the best things on TV. It's a prequel to Breaking Bad. He, he plays a, a tough guy working for a drug cartel. Yeah, and it's better call Paul. No, better call Saul. Damn, just put Michael on, please. Here he is. Say hey to actor Michael Mando. Uh, We appreciate you coming on our show. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Right. Now, you're currently appearing on a great show, Better Call Saul, airing Mondays at 10, 9 Central. I never miss it myself. So, yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you like it. Absolutely. So you, you play a tough guy, Nacho, on the show, though. Though he does display a human side with occasional acts of kindness, he's pretty much a very bad man. So is it tough getting into character? Do you, do you pr- like to like maybe practice snarling in front of the mirror in your dressing room before you go before the camera? <laughs> no. You know what it is? You, you, as an actor, what you want to do is you want to try to understand. You know, no matter what kind of character you play, you want to always. You're kind of like your character's lawyer. You want to justify his actions. You want to look for his motivation. And, um, you know, even when you play, you know, a badass like Nacho, you want to go down to the, you know, the root of his soul and ask yourself, why is this man doing it? What is this about? What does it mean to him? And the danger automatically comes out because you realize that you're navigating, you know, treacherous alliances and that death is, you know, anywhere around the corner. Well, super. I just wrote that down. I like that. Um, Well, the writing on the show on both Breaking Bad and now Better Call Saul is as good as it gets. So do they let you, like, keep the scripts after you're done with an episode? Because they'd be, you know, something to keep on the coffee table to impress guests. (laughs) You know, yes, they do let you keep the script. And um, they have your name written on it so that if ever someone, if ever you were to keep it on your coffee table and someone was to take it from you and publish it, then you can get sued for a lot of money oh. because there's no way that the script didn't come from you because it had your name on it. Oh, well, that's not Actually, good. Like that. it's, like a, it's like a win-lose situation. On one end, you're in on the secret, but on the other end, if this script is uh, lost, then you're in serious trouble. Oh, okay. All right, super. You know, you know, I'll tell you a funny story real quick. Brian Cranston in Breaking Bad had his car broken into and they stole his laptop, not knowing it was Brian Cranston's laptop. And I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, they had to get the FBI involved to track down the laptop and let this poor thief know that um, he's got scripts that haven't been published yet and that it could cost, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars if they were to come out. Wow. They tracked him down. Yeah, so the, the secrecy around these are just, you know, next level. That'd be a- Spider-Man too. When I did, I did Spider-Man this summer. Yes. And um, it's the same thing. It's just like it's protected like gold, you know. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so that uh, that's kind of highly secret, uh, the, the Spider-Man thing. So you are officially confirming you're in it. So that's a that's a scoop. All right. Oh God! I just said that online for the first time. Ah. Yeah. All right. Super. No, well, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's a joke. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the I'm in the new Spider-Man. For All sure. right. Very cool. July that's coming 7th. out in July, right? Yeah, yeah, it's coming up real soon. You know, I, I was lucky enough to see parts of it, and I, I, I'm a little biased here, but I'm going to say to all these, uh, all the Marvel fans, I believe this could be the best Spider-Man that we've ever seen. Oh, all 
right. Uh, hey, did that script have like disappearing ink? Because I they probably took it to a whole nother level on the secrecy thing, right? But anyway, all right. Oh man, yeah. I mean, the secrecy on the Marvel film is just absolutely huge. I mean, to the point that I can't tell people who I play. And trust me, it's like it's on the tip of my tongue. I've been dying. I've been asked this question almost every day, and um, you know, I, I can't wait to tell people. I can tell you one thing. I can tell you, in 2012, you know, wait, you know, a couple of years before I did this film, I walked into a Marvel store, and I walked out with one piece of one item, huh. and it was that character. So four years later, five years later, to play that role is just really unreal. Wow, that is. Very cool. All right. Well, let me let me get back to Better Call Saul. I was gonna. I was wondering, is Albuquerque a fun place to hang out? You know, for what, like six months a year? Do they have any decent pizza places or anything? Or you know, it's it's weird. You know, when I first went to Albuquerque, I had never really seen the. I I've traveled around the world, but I'd never seen you know the West, like the wild wild west. You know, the the deserts and the mountains and all that stuff. And I have to say, you know, I I was looking up because it's the most breathtaking, I mean really most breathtaking sunsets that you've ever seen. Oh. And the, the sunsets and the skies and the colors are so nice that Santa Fe, which is about 45 minutes away, is one of the three biggest, uh, I believe, art gallery hubs in the world. Because artists, from, painters from around the world go there because of the light. Dang, so, I did not know um, that. You know, I, I grew fond of it, and I, I grew fond of that, of New Mexico, and People receive us so warmly, and, and um, you know, I, I kind of started having all my favorite restaurants in both Santa Fe and Albuquerque. So, yes, I, I actually really do enjoy going there, and it's always nostalgic, because the moment you go there, you're, like, immediately back in your character, because that's all you've ever known in that area, is your huh. character. Well, super. I guess maybe I'll have to stop there sometime. All right, super. Um, so well, I don't, I don't want to hype it up too much. You know, Albuquerque is... is you know, uh, it could have it could be a little bit dangerous as well. You know, we had to close set in the middle of the day because of a, of a gunpoint and robbery, Damn. and there were helicopters, and we were barricaded inside the set, and um, there was a, a foot chase. You know, literally in the neighborhood, and that happened. Uh, I would say more than I'd like to admit in the in the neighborhoods where my character shot, which were sort of um, the the darker, more dangerous neighborhoods. But darker as in, like, more mysterious neighborhoods. Well, maybe the show's kind of attracted uh, th that kind of element from around the country, you know? I don't know. Maybe it's a hub now. Who God, knows? I hope not. Hey, Spud, I don't think the Albuquerque Chamber of Commerce would appreciate insinuating a TV show is now serving as a magnet for criminals around the country. Hey, uh, give me a second here, Michael. D does Washington, D.C. have a Chamber of Commerce? If so, I doubt they freak out dealing with their similar issues. Our nation's capital does not have a crime problem, Spud. That is really? the hub of our government, the, the beacon of freedom for the world. Have you ever taken a stroll on K Street? I mean, geez, there's probably more hardcore financial gangsters on the planet there except for maybe Wall Street. I think you've been reading that Rolling Stone magazine too much. Geez, why don't they just print articles about singers and the rock and roll bands anymore? Man, my subscription ran out. Thanks for reminding me to renew. But uh, just let me get back to Michael, though. 
All right, well, let me hit you with this one because I was curious. You are also in the sci-fi series Orphan Black playing the character Vic. You have good taste. I, I got to say, or ask, uh, have you ever been in a lame TV show like most actors? I mean, dang. <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, I come from the theater, and um, it's always words, you know, like uh, like they say, you know, uh, I think it was Chekhov, you know, in The Seagull, it says right. words, words, words. And it's always about, for me, the, the, the writing. You know, I'm always interested in uh, great writing, great ideas. And, um, you know, hopefully uh, I'll continue to attract uh, great writers and directors. And um, I've been very fortunate. And I, don't, I really don't take it lightly. You know, I, I really give everything I've got to this. It, it, I don't take myself seriously, but I take the job very seriously. Right. We'll have to check out that Chekhov guy. I've, I've, I've heard he's pretty talented. Sorry, was or is or <laughs> I whatever. I love Chekhov. Yeah, he wrote Cherry Orchard and All right. I believe The Seagull and um, yeah, he's a Russian playwright. All right, well, you got to go. So let me let me remind everyone that uh, Better Call Saul is airing each Monday night at 10, 9 central, or you can catch it on demand. Uh, so I just, hey, I want to thank you very, very much for checking in with us. Oh, my pleasure. All right, there you have it, Mr. Michael Mando. This is one of radio's most famous musical productions, the program that brings you the music of a nation that loves to sing and whose songs reflect the beauty and romance inherent in its way of life. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Okay, it's musical guest interview time. Please say hello to our musical guest, Gibraltar. Please give us your name, instrument, and blood type. I need to ask that last question at least quarterly with bands in case of a national emergency. We'll keep this on file. Um, I'm Holly Hauser. I play keys, uh, blood type, A positive. All right. I like A positive. Is that really your blood type? You know your blood type? You don't? No. <laughs> I don't know. I've never, I don't I've never needed any more blood. Uh, uh, Aaron, uh, guitar. Aaron, Sydney. guitar. Yeah. Super. Yeah. That's weird. My last name is Guitar, too. Oh, yeah. My last name's Starkey. Sorry. I'm Nick Biscardi, and I play drums, and I don't know my blood type either. All right. Well, get back to me on it, okay? Oh. All right. So what is the Gibraltar mission statement besides planetary domination? We actually just had a meeting about this that we don't want to take over the world. Oh. All right. Well, yeah. So can you, uh, can you uh, expand on that, Nick? Oh, wait. What? Can you expand on not taking over? Our goal is to not take over the world. Well, you got a freaking new CD record, whatever out now. I wanna let's let's talk about that. All What's right. the title? Let's get beautiful. Super. All right, <laughs> and it's available everywhere. Everywhere. There you go. If if you can't find it, ask for it. Okay. Well, you guys have come from different parts of the country before settling in Seattle, Washington, and we're on in a bunch of other cities. So maybe I don't know. Maybe you're in one of those that we're aired at right now. So where are you guys from originally? Linwood, Washington. Okay, I know that area. <laughs> Local. Uh, Springfield, Illinois. Okay. Originally. Yeah, just outside Philadelphia. Uh, actually just found out yesterday that Jill Biden went to my high school. Wow, super. <laughs> Is that off the record, or can we, we, we release that for the public? Uh, if there's tapes, let them, let them go. All right, super. Um, <laughs> so if the band had uh, one secret wish, what would it be? I will give you a waiver on the secret part, because I really want to know what the answer here. Somebody would clean out our band van? Actually, yeah, that's a, or the, even the practice space. I don't know if that's a secret wish, though. That's a, yeah, that's a pretty obvious wish. A secret wish. Hmm. That we could all have hair like Aaron? 
that's not so secret either. Uh, true. I mean, true. you fight the fight yeah. with me on that one. I'm right? looking at his hair too, right. and I'm. I'm and we go back. I'm having a little bit of envy here. Yeah, those beautiful bangs. That's because the same person cuts. It's those damn bangs. I would kill to have your bangs. Well, that's how you. That's how you get them. You have to kill somebody to get them. FYI. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's the band secret. Remember that IHOP in Oakland. All right. Well, what's the name of the what's the name of the next song? I was curious because you have so many great songs off the record. What are you going to do next? Zero sum. Zero sum. All right, let's do it.
This is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Hi, this is David Kechner on the Spud Goodman Show. Why? Because it's better than church. Spud, they're telling me your next guest, Jim O'Hare, is on the line for you. All right. You know, I enjoyed having him on the last time. Very interesting guy. You know, he was on that show Parks and Rec, right? Wow, you got something right. Did an intern, like, leak the info to you or what? No, no. We used to watch that show. Many of my coworkers at my other job, you know, at South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. Well, they've told me that I remind them of his character. I think it's a compliment. Uh, if you say so, please don't manipulate our soundboard guy to play that freaking plug for your other place of employment. If they want to pay us, we'll run it you know, during the breaks or something, but not in the middle of the damn show. Well, I think it's a really snappy jingle myself, and it breaks up the monotony on the show. You know, everybody loves a good jingle, Spud. Russia, if you're listening. Uh, well, I hate jingles. Uh... If I want to hear one, I'll slap on a Maroon 5 song, all right? Fine. Just put Jim on now. Yeah, here he is. Welcome back to the show, actor Jim O'Hare. Uh, thanks for calling in. My pleasure. How are you doing? Not too bad. Now, you have a film you star in, uh, Middleman, being released on Friday here in Seattle and in other select cities around the country, and then will be available for viewing on Netflix, right? Yeah, video on demand is on Netflix. Yeah, and Seattle is where we actually premiered the film in the festivals at the Seattle Film Festival. And uh, my, my favorite story is that we, I was shooting in Chicago at the time, so I, I kind of was bouncing back and forth to Seattle. So on Sunday when I head back, I get off the plane and I get a text from the director, Ned Crowley, and it said, we won. And we never discussed winning. We, ne- we were just happy that you guys accepted us. And then I, I say, I type back, won what? And he writes back, I don't know, but people seem excited for us. So by the time I got back there, we realized we had won the grand jury prize. Super. We were blown away. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a cool premise. Uh, Here, the body count's kind of high. So give our listeners a quick synopsis, if you would. Yeah. It's about a guy, a very simple, sweet man who um, thinks he has comedic abilities. And and his mother passes away, and she always told me it was funny, but they... He was raised on, on things like, uh, you know, Adam Costello and Stiller and Mira and, and Edgar Bergen, uh, you know, the, with the puppet um, Charlie McCarthy. So this was not a man who understood the world, or certainly today's world. So his mother passes away, and he's going to kind of fulfill this dream, head to Vegas, and become a stand-up comic. Well, number one, he's horribly unfunny, literally unfunny. Uh, but he also makes one really bad mistake, one piece of judgment that was not good, and he picked up a hitchhiker. So as the body count rises, his comedy gets funnier. So there's a lot of, you know, what is the price of fame? What price will you pay for fame? Um, well, let me let me ask you this. Uh, doing movies now after so many years on a weekly sitcom, do you, do you miss the connections and a sense of family with a movie? Suddenly after like eight weeks or so, your movie family divorces. Is it depressing when they say it's a wrap? Unless I guess everyone in the cast and crew annoy the hell out of each other. But well, Yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, yeah, I've been very lucky with the cast I've worked with, but I know exactly what you're saying. You know what, recently I did a couple of episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, back-to-back. And that is when I realized, yes, I do miss that. I do miss the camaraderie of the same people. Like those, like when I left Brooklyn, you know, I did two or three of them, and like 
they're all still there. They're still together. And, and what happened with parks, we did parks for uh, seven seasons. And, the, you know, the oldest people, it's always so gross. Oh, we're like a family, blah, blah. But it really was. I mean, these, and, and not just the cast that I love with all my heart, but the crew, the, the camera department, the sound department, the hair and makeup. These are lifelong friendships now. So I, it, it, being at Brooklyn Nine-Nine made me realize I do miss that. Because for a while I was like, boy, this film stuff is fun. I, I recently did a Soderbergh film, went to Atlanta for a while to shoot that. Um, you know, like really fun. It's all fun. It's all great. But boy, I think I do miss that. I really do. And so if an opportunity came up again to do a sit-down sitcom, uh, I, I think I would jump at it. All right, well, Spud, if I may cut in here again. Hey, uh, Jim, uh, my apologies. I'll be a brief moment. Well, don't you sense that same family vibe here doing our show together here in the studio? All of us are really extended family members, if you think about it. The only family I have in this studio is my Aunt Dorothy here. I don't have time for more family. I mean, who has time for more birthday parties, backyard barbecues, and baby christenings? The list of mandatory appearances for family events are endless, so I have no more room in my life for additional relatives, okay? Wow. All right, I got it. But just know, we are here for you if you need us. Nice to hear, okay? Now I have to finish this interview with Jim, if you don't mind. Um, hey, this is a little off topic, but on, on this show, we're, we're talking a little bit about, you know, show business and the need to keep up on, you know, the latest trends, you know, to stay hip. And, uh, you know, I'm having issues with that status myself. It seems like it just comes easier to some people, like actors, musicians, and maybe astronauts. Talk show hosts, it's kind of tough to be uh, hip and uh, with it, you know? I mean, do you feel that pressure ever <laughs> yeah. as an actor? Yeah, well, no one has ever accused me of being hit or with it. So I do not have that pressure. But the, the pressure that I feel, is, and this, I'm sure you're, this is what you're probably very good at, is social media, because I'm 55 years old. This whole, you know, Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram and, and Pinterest and all this stuff has just really come in in the past, what, five, six, seven years. So this is all, it, 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 it makes me crazy. And yet I know it's important. So I, I try to do what I can, because uh, I do know it's important, but... Um, yeah, that's where I have trouble keeping up. I don't even try in the other part of the world. Like, I, I recently was in Chicago. I got to uh, throw the first pitch for a Cubs game uh, last Sunday, and my niece was there, and she said, Uncle Jimmy, I need to come with you and live with you and become your stylist. Because, of course, I look like hell. I said, what you? She goes, look at those shorts. Look at that shirt. I go, I know. I've had them for 20 years. I love them. So, no, I don't even make the attempt. But, yeah, younger people, I think they feel the pressure. I don't. Yeah, well, one thing I want to say, Jim, you have a heck of a head of hair. That's for the record. Well, they can't take that I, away from thankfully you. Thankfully, it's still there. I know that that can change overnight, but yeah, so I'm happy in the morning when it's still there. <laughs> All right, super. Well, let me wrap this interview up with uh, this question. Uh, Jim O'Hare, what is your favorite holiday and why? I, myself, am big on Leif Erikson Day. It goes head-to-head -head with Columbus Day, of course, and I, I think Leif was a nicer guy, and I, I think he probably wiped out less indigenous people, so I'm going with him. But what's your favorite holiday? Wow, you're going to make me look stupid uh, because yours is, uh, you know, something thought out. Uh, I like sort Christmas. Of. Christmas. <laughs> there's a lot of food and gifts. I don't know. I, 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 my goodness, I feel like a fool, but I do enjoy. I do I, from Thanksgiving to Christmas. I love that time of year. Heck yeah, Christmas is great. Presents are great. So yeah, I'll go with that. All right. Well, all right. <laughs> let me let me remind everyone again that your movie Middleman opens on Friday in Seattle and select cities across the country because we're on in other markets. So later, uh, it's going to be available on Netflix so people can check it out down the road. So. We really appreciate you coming back on our show, and I mean that. 
My pleasure. Uh, again, Seattle is where it all started for us, so thank you so much. There you have it, Mr. Jim O'Hare. My, how time flies. You know, we've gotten a few emails that I've read on my phone while the band was playing about this hipster thing, and one guy asked a valid question. Where are the senior hipsters going to spend their final years? I mean, there's no way they would agree to go to a nursing home where the other people there weren't at least a little tiny bit hip. I mean, and that's tough for most seniors to pull off in their 90s. I'm going to have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. Yeah, well, I know I sure wouldn't want to be in any nursing home with fellow residents that have tattoos all over their bodies. It would make me feel uncomfortable. What's your name, scumbag? Oh, I think you would have more important things to be concerned with at that point in your life, Gerald. And you know, different strokes for different folks. Well, mm. I, was, I was also thinking, you know, show me the hippest looking dude you can find today and then fast forward a bunch of years and picture him in the group activity room putting a puzzle together. I mean, first off, the pens are rather puffy and, and are not a good fit with skinny jeans for sure. And, and then the big bushy gray beard look will only work during the Christmas holidays for sure. The rest of the year, it will only make meals way more time consuming. You know, as a nurse's aide, we'll have to comb out the remaining food particles three times a day. Then there are, it's not funny. And then there are all the medical, I mean, excuse me, all the metal objects inserted on a body. It could take an hour or two to unhook everything for x-rays and MRIs. I mean, really about the only part of the package that translates well is the I am bored out of my mind look. Yeah, you know, I know I won't ever be bored when it's time for me to go to a nursing home because I love puzzles. That's so hot. Well, speaking as a recovered hipster, I can say that time has a habit of leveling the playing field for everyone, the hip and the non-hip. Well, that's comforting to know if you are right, but what if you aren't? If I don't pull off this makeover, I will spend my final days still being thought of by the hip people, you know, as a lame loser. Call me naive, but when I walk to the light, I was hoping I would finally be thought of at least as a little tiny, tiny bit cool. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, what's the difference between cool and hip? What's with you, Johan? Oh, honey, at this point for you, I would just remain oblivious. Oh. But to you, Spud, I would have to say being hip is overrated. You will learn this in time. Well, it's easy for you to say, Aunt Dorothy. Well, it is. You've already been hip in your lifetime. I guess you got tired of being hip all the time, huh? Well, I do remember when I finally decided I had outgrown the need to impress others. The makeup, the clothes, the hair, it just always seemed like I was trying too hard, you know? How hip is that? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I want to tell you, I've never tried to be hip oh, or cool. It, it is. Hey, no, it's just sad trying too hard not to be hip or cool. Oh. It's all about maintaining a balance in life. Gerald, you go ahead and listen to your Beach Boys records, the ones without Brian Wilson. But don't be smug about it. Hmm. Well, you know, there are cultural bridges that boring, straight white guys like me have to overcome. I don't know if I can say this. Hell no, you can't! But most black people are way hipper than white people. It's <laughs> jack what you're saying. I mean, they, they've given us most of the cool stuff we dig so much. And maybe except for pizzas and iPods. You know, and, and most gay people are, are way hipper than straight people, for sure. 
Except I'll never get the, the show tunes deal with, with gay guys. But And immigrants, they usually bring something really cool with their culture that we always end up swiping too. So I'm actually starting so far behind on the hipness meter as an old white dude, I should get like a disclaimer or something. Yes, but at this point in your life, just breathe and take in the beauty of what's around you. Forget about needing some temporary ideal. Rather, focus on serving others. Volunteer. Others. Yeah, help out in the community. Give something back. It will give you great joy and happiness. Yes! It works for me. Well, that that was deep, Aunt Dorothy. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to write that down a little later. Yeah, I'm impressed. Thank you very much. So let me close this show right now. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, hip or not. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Once again, here is Gibraltar.
Bud Goodman Show is produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions and recorded at NWCZ Radio. Engineer Mike Renville. Executive producer Lori Madsen. Written and directed by Spud Goodman. Associate producer and video director TJ Pike. Production assistants Brian Martin and Frank Nolasco. Original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon. On-air talent Rob McGee, David Deere, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2017 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. Oh,